All right, good morning, Summer Point Church. How are you guys doing today? Good, good to see you guys. All right, so this morning I want for you guys to think about when your kids first start learning how to talk. And if you don't have kids, maybe you have like a little brother or sister, niece or nephew that was a baby. Think about the time that they first started learning how to communicate. I read that most babies get conversational between about 12 to 18 months of age. I googled what are the common first words that babies will say, and some of them you would imagine, like mommy, daddy. Uh, One of them was ball. I remember my brother's first word was ball, uh, watching basketball on TV. Bye, hi, no, dog, baby. First, a lot of babies, their first word is baby. That was kind of funny. Wolf, wolf, so not even like human language. And one that kind of surprised me was banana. So I'm just curious, did anyone's kid say banana as their first word in here this morning? Maybe not. That one kind of surprised me. It seems like a little bit more of an advanced word, but it takes time for us to learn how to have healthy communication, right? It takes time to learn how to have healthy communication and close relationship with others through that communication. Can I get an amen from the married people this morning? Amen, right? A little bit. It takes some time to learn how to communicate. And the Bible says that when we first give our life to Jesus, we are born again. We become spiritual infants. And so we need to learn as a spiritual infant how to talk with God in a new way. How to talk with God in a way that helps us grow in our walk with him. And so maybe you're a new believer, maybe you're just curious about Christianity, or maybe you've been a believer for many years and you feel like uh, there's something missing in your prayer life. I, I hope that this message this morning speaks something to you. Why does prayer matter? Prayer matters because if you want to talk, if you want to walk with God, you have to talk with God. If you want to walk with God, you have to talk with God. And there are some ways that we pray that can help us to walk with God But there are also ways that we pray that will make us walk from God. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And we're learning from the greatest prayer, the greatest person who have ever prayed of all time is Jesus. His disciples uh, tried to look up to his prayer life. I mean, they didn't ask Jesus how to perform miracles or how to raise the dead like they'd seen him do. But they asked Jesus, Lord, would you teach me how to pray, because there's something divine, there's something powerful about the prayer life of Jesus. And so we're going to learn from Jesus this morning how we can walk with God through talking with God in prayer. So if you're following along in your Bibles this morning, we'll be in uh, Matthew chapter 6 as our primary text this morning. Let's start out with Matthew chapter 6, looking at verse 5. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. The next point this morning is that prayer should be God-centered, not self-centered. Prayer should be God-centered, not self-centered. Hundreds of years ago, people believed that the sun revolved around the world. And they believed this for a very long time. And it wasn't until about 1543 that Nicholas Copernicus, I hope I'm saying that right, Nicholas Copernicus, the great astrologer, made his theory known that he believed that the world and all the other planets revolved around the sun and that all these things did not revolve around the world. 
And we know now that his theory was true, right? We, our planets revolve around the sun. And the, th- the problem was, though, it took like 100 years for people to be able to accept this theory because it is so hard for people to believe that everything doesn't revolve around them, right? It's hard to believe that sometimes. And even in our prayer life, our prayer life can revolve around us sometimes and our purposes and not revolve around God and his purposes. I think God has a sense of humor and maybe that's part of the reason why God made the world revolve around something else and not everything revolve around the world. I think God was trying to show us something there, right? That everything revolves around him and his purposes. So prayer should be God-centered, not self-centered. But when prayer becomes self-centered, like we're going to talk about, prayer that is self-centered makes us walk away from God and keeps us from walking with God, like prayer is intended to do for us. So in verse 5 here, Jesus calls out hypocrites. He says, don't be like hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. So they love to stand so everybody could see them in the churches, in the synagogues, on the street corners. So people going on the street this way can see them. People going on the street that way can see them. They find an ideal place for everybody to be able to look at them and see how good at praying they are, to see how spiritual they really are. They are praying to be seen by others, but they are not praying to be seen by God. They don't care about talking with God or knowing God. They just want everyone around them to think that they are spiritual. That's what Jesus is describing here. They're doing their righteousness to be seen by other people. But because of this, Jesus tells us earlier in verse 1 that you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You get an earthly reward for this. He says they receive their reward. Their reward is that other people think that they're spiritual. Great. You received your reward, but you traded a penny, traded a $100 bill in for a penny is really what they're doing there. Rather than receive the reward of experiencing God, they exchange it for the reward of pleasing people and trying to make themselves look good in their own eyes and the eyes of others. I mean, they wanted to seem spiritual in their own eyes. They pray to feel good about who they are not to feel good about who God is to them. So they get their reward. But they miss out on the real reward. But here is the end result of the reward that they are getting. In Matthew chapter 7, I believe this is uh, one of the scariest verses of the Bible. The Bible talks about demons. The Bible talks about death. The Bible talks about a lot of things that we would see as scary. But I think this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible because this is talking about people who live their whole lives as Christians or believing they're Christians, yet on the day of judgment, Jesus says, depart from me for I never knew you. Let's look at what this says. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So people come to Jesus and say, God, didn't you see what I was doing? Didn't you see me praying in the synagogues on the street corners? Didn't you see how good I was uh, bringing my family to church? Didn't you see I was casting out demons, I was performing mighty works, healing. I was doing all these things in your name, God. But he says, depart from me for I never knew you. You're doing all these things for me, but you're doing nothing from me. 
You were doing things for me, but not from me. That means you were like a, like a fake plant, fake plastic plant, a branch bearing fake plastic fruit, but none of your fruit was real or genuine because you were not abiding in the vine. I never knew you. I saw that you were praying, but I didn't hear you because you weren't talking to me. You were talking to make yourself feel better about who you are, maybe for other people to see how spiritual you are, but you didn't want the reward of just being able to know me. So therefore depart from me for I never knew you. God will only hear the words on your lips if they match the words on your heart. And God wants to hear the words on your heart. That's the good news. God wants to hear your prayers, but God wants for you to come, with, come to him with a genuine heart, not just trying to feel uh, better about yourself or everybody else to see how spiritual you are, but just because you genuinely want to know God. And there's no agenda besides that. But here's the good news. God made it really easy for you to know him through prayer. God made it really easy. Think about this. God could have done all sorts of things to make us able to communicate with him. God could have put um, a telephone booth every five miles and everyone would have to stand in line at this telephone booth to try to call God, but he didn't do that. We could pray to God anywhere, anytime. It has better service than even Verizon, right? Anywhere, anytime, God makes himself available to hear our prayers. But the prayers on our lips have to match the prayers on our heart because God can tell the difference. People on the outside can't tell the difference, right? They look at those hypocrites and they think, oh, what a great spiritual person. But God sees their heart that is far from him. So if we want our heart to be close to God, we have to be genuine with God. Matthew chapter 6 Verse six through eight, the antithesis Jesus gives here to these hypocrites he just mentioned. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The Bible says that God wants to reward you. There is a reward that God has for you. We should say that together. God wants to reward me. Say that with me. God wants to reward me. Like you believe it. Come on. God wants to reward me. God has a reward for you. Spending time with him. God wants to give you a reward that's not money. It's not stuff. His reward is far greater than that. God wants to reward you with himself. God wants to reward you with experiencing the love, the infinite love of the creator of the universe who knows you and loves you. That's the reward that God has for you. And it's a free reward. Sometimes we imagine God, like even after we give our life to Jesus, we imagine God like he's so far away. He's so hard for us to reach. I saw this video one time uh, where there's this dog on a treadmill and they're trying to, these owners were trying to make their dog get a workout. I guess it was a little chubster or something. So this dog is on the treadmill running and they got a bone at the end of the treadmill and he's just, you know, doing his little doggy thing, trying to reach this bone. And every once in a while he can get it. But the whole point is he's just trying to strive after this thing. And sometimes we imagine God like, here's my reward. Here it is. Keep trying to get it. But God did not want to make it hard for us. God made it easy. There's no treadmills in heaven, amen? <laughs> There's no treadmills in heaven. God wanted to give us this reward. He didn't want us to strive for it. He wanted us to just receive it. God wants to reward you. But here's the problem. 
The good news is that God makes it really easy, but the problem is that we make it really hard. God makes it easy for us to know him, but we make it hard for ourselves. We imagine God in this way, like we're on a treadmill, that for God to hear my prayer, I have to be reading my Bible every day for at least a week straight. It would be nice if I had gone like five hours without sinning before. I have to change my life. And then God will reward me. But Jesus is saying, you don't have to be like that. He compares it to the Gentiles, the pagan worshipers of this day. And he says that they're striving to be heard. Um, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So these pagan worshipers will repeat over and over in the same uh, kind of slogans, trying to be heard by their gods. And we know every religion except for Christianity says, I have to do something for God to reward me. But Christianity says, God did something for me. God sent his son for me to receive the reward, for me to experience his presence. We don't have to heap up empty phrases, vain repetition. We don't have to strive to be heard by God. God wants to hear you. God is ready to hear you. So Jesus says, go to your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who is in that secret place with you, he will reward you at that time. So the principle here is that you find a place where it's just you and God. You set aside distractions and you take time to just be with God, to know him, to experience him. God doesn't care where you're at. God cares where your heart is at. God cares where your heart is at. I mean, I heard a story of someone that they gave their life to Jesus, bawling, crying their eyes out on the floor of a public bathroom, which is kind of gross, right? There's some nasty stuff in, on the floors of public bathrooms. But that, the point is like, God will meet you anywhere you are because God just cares about where your heart is at. That guy's a pastor now. God cares about where your heart is at. God wants to meet you right where you are. And Jesus says, you can just go into your room, shut the door behind you, and God will reward you in that place. In Luke, he says, go to your closet, And so God wants to meet you in a place even like a closet. You can go kneel down in your closet, surrounded by all your wife's clothes and next to your smelly shoes right there in the closet. And that's where God wants to meet you. God is ready to meet you. God is ready to reward you with the experience of knowing him in an intimate way. But prayer is not something that you have to do as a Christian. It's something that you want to do. There's a difference. Sometimes we look at prayer like it's something I have to do as a Christian. I got to check this. I got to check my prayer box today. But God did not want for prayer to feel like a laborious thing for us. God wanted it to be something that we want to do. To spend time with, time with him, right? It's something that we get to do. It's a privilege. And so as we're going to walk through the Lord's Prayer piece by piece a little bit, Jesus is outlining the privileges that we have through prayer. We are privileged to be able to experience God, to talk with God in this way. So we're starting out the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I'll just read through the whole prayer. He says, pray then like this. Give us an example. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Here's the first privilege that we have in prayer. Through prayer, I get to approach God like a child. 
Through prayer, I get to approach God like a child. Jesus starts this prayer off by saying, our Father in heaven. And so there's a little bit of a, a paradox in a sense there because we see Father, that's an intimate, close word. And then heaven, which is kind of this transcendent thing as well. So we see that God is our Father. He is close to us, but God is also authoritative. He is the ruler of heaven and earth. Our Father who is in heaven. We get to approach God like a child. This is the way that God wants us to approach him. Just like a child goes to their father, God wants us to come to him. Just like a child can hold up a broken toy for their father to fix, God wants to hold up the brokenness of our life for him to fix us, to heal us. Just like a child falls down and skins their knee and cry, God our father wants to be there to pick us back up when we fall. I saw this story where a king was meeting with his advisors in the throne room. And then a little boy sneaks into the throne room and, and he's running. He wants to see the king and he, and he runs in. And the advisors are thinking like, who let this kid in? Like this kid isn't supposed to be here in the throne room. And he jumps up into the king's lap and the king says, it's okay, this is my son. In the same way, if you are a child of God, you've been born again into the body of Christ through the blood of the lamb, you have a birthright to boldly enter into the throne room of grace and be with your heavenly father. That is your right through Christ. That is a privilege that is given to you by the grace of God. And God wants you to take advantage of that privilege. God wants you to come into the throne room, to be with him, to not be intimidated by the throne room, but to be welcomed by it. Says our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. The next point this morning is that through prayer, I get to adore God. Now, this is the opposite of what we saw earlier. Earlier, the, the hypocrites, they were praying to God in order that everyone around them would adore them. They were not praying to God in order to adore God for who he is. They had self-centered, narcissistic reasons for their prayer. God wants us to adore him to be in awe and wonder of who he is. I mean, God is majestic. God is indescribable. God is wonderful. God is full of grace. He's our redeemer. He's Yahweh. He's our creator. He's, he's all these things to us. And we can gaze on him with awe and wonder. That word hallowed means consecrated, sanctified, revered. And sometimes in prayer, you just need to be there. I went to a school once where they had a chapel and at their chapel time, before they all prayed, they would do this thing they called center. And the idea was that they would center on God. They would center their thoughts, their mind, their soul, their spirit on him. And they would just pause. Before any words came out of their mouth, they just paused to look on God with awe and wonder. And sometimes we just need to center on him. Sometimes we just need to adore God for who he is. Because he is so good. We just need to be there. We don't need to say anything. And maybe you can find a great place to do this. Maybe you can go, I mean, we live in San Diego, so there's lots of great views, right? So you can go to the beach or you could go see the sunset or the sunrise or you can see the stars at night. Wherever you're at, you can even do this. Jesus says in a room with a shut door, you can sit right there and just be in awe and wonder of who God is. You can adore God. And that's a privilege that you have through Christ. Matthew 6, 10 Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to focus really on that part where it says, your will be done. 
The next point this morning is that through prayer, I get to align with God. Through prayer, I get to align with God. Think about this for yourself. In your prayer life, are you trying more often to align God's will with your will? Or are you trying to align your will with God's will? Because they're often different, aren't they? They're two different things. Are you praying directive prayers or direction prayers? Meaning, are you trying to direct God on what he should do in your life? God, with this circumstance, I want you to do this, this, and this. This is my list. Here you go, God. Do it. Or are you praying direction prayers? Are you praying for God to give you direction on what to do in the circumstances in your life? This is an attitude that we bring to prayer. Now we need to pray for circumstances. We need to pray for sickness, for financial struggles, for a job offer. We need to pray for all these different things in our life. But we bring this attitude to prayer of submission to God's will and trust that whatever God's will with that circumstance is, that his will is better than our will. So I submit my desires into his hands because God's way and God's timing is always going to be better. And sometimes God's answer to you will be the answer that you want. Sometimes it'll be like that story where these, these guys, they pick up this paralytic and they walk him down the road. They bring him to Jesus, but the crowd is too big so they can't get into the house. So they climb up on the roof and they're tearing this roof open. They lower this paralytic down in, into the bottom of this house. And so Jesus is there and Jesus forgives this paralytic for his sins. But the Pharisees say, you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. So Jesus says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He turns to the paralytic and he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the paralytic gets up and he walks right out of there. Sometimes God's answer to prayer will be like that. The paralytic, he wanted to walk again. He wanted his sins to be forgiven. So of course, Jesus forgave his sins. God is always going to forgive us when he asks him. But when it comes to things like healing or direction, God's healing that we desire for a loved one perhaps or something else in our life, it's not always going to happen the way we want it to happen. But sometimes his answer will be, rise, take up your bed and walk. Or sometimes his answer is going to be, my grace is sufficient for you because in this weak place in your life, in your weakness, that's where I'm gonna make my strength and power known to you. So you're gonna experience me in a way that you never would have experienced me before had this weakness not existed in your life. But alignment with God is bringing our desires. We can bring our desires. We can say, God, I'd like for this to happen this way. It's okay to express your desires to God. But it's an attitude of, Lord, whatever happens, I submit my will to your will. I want to align my heart with your heart in this situation. And the benefit of aligning your heart with God's is you don't have to worry about what's going to happen because God knows what's best. God's going to make the best possible thing happen. So maybe your prayer could be, God, as I align my heart with yours, please show me how your way is the best way for me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. The next point this morning is that through prayer, I get to rely on God. This is another privilege of prayer. We get to rely on God. So just some context here. I mean, Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling everywhere. They had to rely on Jesus literally for their daily bread. He was leading them from campsite to campsite, from city to city. They had to depend on Jesus for where they're going to get food, how they're going to eat, drink, sleep. 
And so they relied on Jesus each and every single day just for their most basic needs. And we do the same for God, for our physical, for our spiritual sustenance. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we are relying on God for everything. The great missionary Hudson Taylor once said, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. That's good. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. If you're trying to align your heart with God's heart, you're trying to live in God's will for your life, do God's work in your life, you will never, ever lack God's supply. And Jesus wants us to focus on really one day at a time. He didn't say, God, I want you to give us the bread today that's going to last us. I want you to stock the shelves, God. Let's, let's get ready for the next whatever the next thing is going to happen that makes us all quarantine. God, let's stock the shelves. Let's get all the toilet paper from Costco, you know, so that doesn't happen again. Let's stock the shelves up. Give us the daily bread that's going to make us last for the rest of our lives. No, he doesn't say give us bread for the rest of our life. He said, God, give us today our daily bread. God wants you to focus on today. Does that mean we can't plan for a future? No, that's not what that means. It's just talking about relying on God. I'm going to rely on him today. I don't have to worry about relying on him tomorrow because tomorrow's not here yet. I'm just going to rely on him today. Jesus said this in the same chapter just over verse 34. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day as its own trouble, as its own trouble. Jesus is saying, we have enough problems going on just today. We don't need to add tomorrow's problems on top of that. Let's focus on today. Let's focus on relying on God just for today. And it's a privilege that we can do that. Before, before we come to Christ, who are we going to rely on? Ourselves? But now we can rely on the creator, sustainer of all life in the universe. Matthew six twelve through 13. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The next point this morning is that through prayer, I get to confess and repent. This is another privilege of prayer. We can confess and repent. We can change. We can become more like Jesus. This is the hope that we have in Christ. It says, forgive us our debts. So Jesus never sinned. Jesus isn't asking God to forgive him for all of his sins because we know Jesus never sinned. But Jesus is giving an example of how to get forgiveness from God. And you know how he says we get forgiveness from God? You ask for it. You ask for it. You don't strive for forgiveness. God wants for you to just ask him. If you got something in your life that you've been putting off asking God forgiveness, look, God is waiting for you to ask him for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. He can forgive you for your debts because somebody took your debt on for you. Jesus took your debt on the cross. 
lead us not into temptation. In a way, this is kind of referring to repentance. It's looking towards my future. So repentance is I'm turning from my sin. Okay, I know I did this wrong. I'm going to turn from this and I'm going to turn to Christ. I'm going to walk in a new way of life. And so he's saying, forgive us of our debts. Let's look on the past, the things that we've done wrong. Let's turn around and in the future, lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Please lead me in a new way of life, God. Not in the way of temptation, not in the way of evil, but I want to change. I want to be different. And I know I can do that through you. So God enables us to repent and live in a new way, delivering us from evil so we don't make the same mistakes as before. Now, sometimes we may make the same mistakes, right? But we still confess and repent, confess and repent, and God is working on our hearts to change us, to make us more like Jesus. So I want you to think about this morning, what is missing in your prayer life? We're talking about how to talk with God. And I kind of outlined just some different things that we can look at about how to talk with God. And maybe you're really good at some things. Maybe you're really good at approaching God with a child, as a child. Maybe you're really good at setting aside that time to focus on God. But maybe you're not as good at adoring God. Maybe you're really good at uh, confessing and repenting. But you don't in your prayer life focus very much on your daily bread and relying on God. And so this next uh, kind of note right here is that this week through prayer, I will, and there's kind of like a blank space for you to think of yourself, what in your prayer life would you like to improve on? Everybody has something, right? And so it could be adoration, it could be a submission, it could be aligning your heart with God's heart, your will with God's will and not praying directive prayers, but direction prayers. It could be relying on God, confessing and repenting, whatever that may be for you. This week through prayer, you can focus on that aspect of prayer because we need to take a holistic approach to prayer. Because if all I ever do in my prayer life is confess and repent, well, I'm missing out on adoring God. If all I ever do in my prayer life is pray for daily bread and rely on God, then I'm missing out on confession and repentance. I'm missing out on other things. And so we want to take this holistic approach to prayer so we can experience all of who God is and the way that he wants us to talk with him through prayer and walk with him as a result of that. And on a side note, if you feel like you don't pray enough or you just have a hard time uh, having a habitual prayer life, just a little tip for you guys is set some alarms on your phone. So something I do sometimes is I'll have alarms on my phone that remind me to pray for like adoration at a certain time. You could pray for submission to God's will at a certain time throughout your day and just kind of set those alarms for times, you know, where uh, it's not going to be going off maybe in the middle of an important work meeting or whatever that may be. But you can set alarms that will remind you to pray for certain things that you feel like are lacking in your own prayer life. So that's kind of just a helpful little tip for you guys. But I want to close this morning with this. The furthest that you're ever going to get away from God is just one prayer. God doesn't want you to strive to know him, strive to walk with him. God just wants you to talk with him. God just wants you to be with him. God made it so easy for you. So this morning, would you just stop making it so hard for yourself? Don't make it hard for yourself. Just be in his presence. He loves you. He's waiting for you. He wants to spend time with you. And this is possible because of what Jesus did for us. God sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for your sins, paying the price with his own blood. 
He rose from the grave, defeating sin on your behalf, so that way you can know God. You have the birthright of boldly entering into the throne of grace when you trust in Christ and you give your life to him because of what he did for you. And so this morning, you can do that. And you can walk with God because you can talk with God. Let's pray. God, we adore you this morning for who you are. You are so good. You are our Heavenly Father. And we thank you that we can approach you like a child, God. You know what we need even before we ask, God, yet you still want us to come to you to express how we are feeling to you with our circumstances, with anything that's going on. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to have hearts aligned with yours, that we would align our will to your will. We seek your direction in every circumstance of life. God, we confess our sin and repent of that, Lord. And thank you that this is possible to be forgiven of our debts because of what Jesus did, taking our debt on, on our behalf. God, this morning we rely on you for our daily bread. Please help us to always focus on just relying on you today, not worry about what tomorrow holds, but focus on our daily bread, that we can rely on you for that just today. God, this morning, if anyone feels far from you, I hope that you would show them through your spirit that they can come so close to you in just just a moment because you made it so easy for us because you want to know us. You want us to know you. So Lord, this morning, if anyone does not know you, Lord, pray that they would just reach out to you, that they would trust that Jesus is Lord. He rose from the dead. He died for their sins, God, and they put their faith in you. And I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen.